If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. And welcome once again to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. And once again, so delighted to be with you. I've mentioned numerous occasions um, the trip I did to Chicago back in September, where I met up for the first time with my fellow board members of Avroa, the Association of Vacation Rental Operators and Affiliates. And we had such a good day, such a good meeting, talking about education, talking about membership, talking about marketing, and talking about the direction that Avroa is going to take in the future. Now, of course, Avroa is going to be launched on the um, at, at the beginning of 2018 as a registered nonprofit. And you're going to be hearing a lot more about it across the airwaves and certainly in the interviews that I'm doing because I'm I'm looking to interview as many board members as possible so you get to know the people who are behind Avroa and what they do outside of their, their vacation rental businesses. And one of these is somebody that uh, you may know of if you are a frequenter of the Say No to VRBO Facebook group because uh, Annie Switzer has been a moderator of that group almost since the uh, the time it began. Uh, Annie is a great voice of the industry from her perspective uh, as an owner and and sort of as a lobbyist. She she understands what people need to do to get their message over to the people who who count. I love the way that she moderates that group. She has the voice of reason. We all know anybody who's, I mean, I'm not saying that everybody is on Facebook, but for those of you who are on Facebook, you know what it's sort of descended to in the last couple of years. And particularly, you know, during the election campaign, the US election campaign, of uh, 2016 and then right through 2017, it has become almost this this platform for divisiveness, for people to argue on their politics or on their religion or on their beliefs, really from, from the most baseless of topics. You know, you can start a topic on something really innocuous and before you know it, it ends up in mudslinging with with a political, usually a political um, perspective to it. Now, the Say No to VRBO group is is not immune to that. And, and we have seen that happening um, over the last year or so. And April Salter, who was the founder of, of that group, has said very clearly that she will not put up with any uh, political, religious, sexist, racist, um, 
remarks or comments, they will be immediately deleted. And and if the perpetrator is consistent with them, then that person's going to be removed from the group, which, uh, which I completely agree with. That Say No to VRBO group, which started as a grassroots movement to counter the changes that were going on at HomeAway, VRBO, etc. But it has become a great place for people to go and ask general questions about their vacation rental business and get some extremely good responses from a large majority of the the audience on the group. Um, Annie, as moderator, as I say, does a great job of jumping in when a conversation gets out of hand and has has a, the, the wonderful knack of defusing some of these um, these conversations. It's almost as though she has a second sense into which thread is going to blow out of proportion and uh, and, and jumps in to to intervene. So actually hot button topics is one of the things that we're going to be talking about, uh, that I'm going to be talking about with Annie. But I also want to explore her history and her experience of the vacation rental industry. We're going to be talking about how the changes in the industry over the last two years have impacted her business, what made her get involved in the Facebook group, and how she believes it has evolved since the group launched. She's also a... Uh, the co-chair of the Membership and Marketing Committee of Avroa. And I'll be discussing what that means to her and what she is going to be bringing to the board of Avroa and to the membership in general when when, when Avroa is launched in January. So without further ado, let's move on over to the conversation with Annie Switzer. I'm delighted to have with me today Annie Switzer, who hails from Bethesda, Maryland. Hi, Annie. How are you? Good. How are you, Heather? I'm very, very good. So it was just so great to meet up with you in Chicago when we got together for the first Avroa board meeting. And I want to cover off a little bit of Avroa later on in our in our conversation. Um, but uh, but I've seen you around and about on the Facebook group, Say No to VRBO. Um, so much and I just really admire the way that you do the moderating because I know it's not an easy task Um, but let's let's kick off Annie with um, how did you get into this business in the first place? Well Heather I got into the vacation rental business quite by accident. Um, For years I worked as an actuary I was a math major and it's a it's basically a risk professional designation where I took 10 years worth of math exams. And my husband and I did that. We traveled the world and then our, we had our first child. And we started thinking that hotel rooms were really not a good way to travel and that maybe we should start thinking about vacation rental homes. And we also noticed that we probably weren't gonna be jetting all over the world anymore, especially if we were gonna have any more kids. Um, so we started looking locally to buy a second home for ourselves uh, at one of the local beaches. So we looked in Delaware and we looked in Virginia and we ended up buying our first place in Delaware. And we were going to use it, like I said, as a second vacation home. 
And being both numbers people, we thought, well, you know, it doesn't make sense for it to sit empty most of the time. Maybe we should try to get some rental income. It never really occurred to me to manage it myself. Um, I signed on with the local uh, Coldwell Banker office and the sort of ups and downs and mostly the downs of dealing with the Coldwell Banker office um, made me take over myself and I was listed on VRBO and it just took off from there. Um, I did that for about three years and I added another property, did it for another three years with two properties and in the meantime had added another child and added a third property um, and looking to expand actually. I was looking to expand when VRBO rolled out the very nasty traveler service fee. So <laughs> that's that's how I got into the vacation rental business. I started managing it because I wasn't happy with um, how the rental management companies were doing it for me. So so do you still have three properties? Now tell me a little bit about, now you're going to have to get um, maybe correct my pronunciation, Chincoteague? Chincoteague, yes. Oh, um, right. the, the locals, it sounds like an SH, the locals pronounce it that way. It's a comes from an old Indian word. It means beautiful land across the water. And, and that pretty accurately describes it. Um, Chincoteague is a, a small island off the eastern shore of Virginia. And the barrier island for Chincoteague is actually Assateague Island, where the national seashore is and the famous wild ponies of Assateague. Um, so two of my properties are actually located on Chincoteague Island in Virginia. Yeah, I, I've been looking at, uh, at, at some of the... Um... Uh, some of your Facebook posts about it and tell me a little bit more about the ponies and, and what, what, what the annual event is, the pony swim. Oh, the pony swim. Yes. Well, our, our first pony swim was in 2009 and coincidentally that's what prompted us to buy our first property on the Island. We'd gone to the Island a couple of times before, um, but it was our first time visiting with our two kids wanted to go to the annual pony swim. Um, what it is, is the, um, on the Virginia side, instead of using birth control darts, they control the population of the ponies by doing an annual swim and an auction of a select number of the foals. They try to keep the population at 150 ponies, um, you know, stallions and mares and foals and yearlings and so forth. So every year, um, a lot of people gather to watch the, um, they call them salt, saltwater cowboys. They're members of the local volunteer fire department. Mm -hmm. They've been doing this for 90 some odd years. I want to say the first one was in 1926 or thereabouts. Um, pretty close to that, if that's not the date. And they swim the ponies across the channel, parade them down the street and into the carnival grounds. And then they let them rest up and they have a whole sort of hometown carnival going on. And then, um, the next morning they have an auction and they auction off the foals to the highest bidder, the pre-selected ones. And there's some issues with lineage and certain stallions. There's some, they, they keep some of them back and they call them buybacks where people bid on the privilege of naming the foal, but it goes back in um, with the herd at, on Assateague Island and stays on the island to live there and to breed. So, so do the ponies that don't get bought get to swim back? Uh, yes, but they always sell, uh, there's a lot of demand for them. They always sell the ones that are earmarked and they always sell the buybacks. And what ends up happening is um, the rest of the herd swims back that following Friday. So Wednesday they swim over, Thursday there's the auction, and Friday morning they swim back. That, that's amazing. I love, I just love to talk to, to people who are in so many different parts of, of the world, in fact, 
and and to hear about these these special events that you wouldn't hear about any other way i think um yeah. so so i i'm guessing that this is a, a a very popular week of the year for your properties it absolutely is it books up earlier a lot of the owners charge a little bit more um some of them charge a lot more um, I try to keep it a nominal amount, just a little bit higher than my usual um, fee, because I like to make it affordable for families. I don't want, I don't want to feel like I'm price gouging people for the event of the year. But um, yes, it books up usually well in advance, over a year in advance, um, and so do the boat tours, because there's a certain number of captains that take people out to watch the swim from the water, which is one of the best ways to see it, of course, because you're right there um, on the channel. That is so. That's that's so intriguing. I absolutely, I just love that. I love it. So you know, in general, for the rest of the year, um, it's it's not it's not an area that is is naturally considered um, a a vacation rental destination. Yes, it's a much it's just much smaller area, but it yeah. has actually. Um, in recent years, it's really one of the more popular go-to destinations for people who live in the D.C. area. Mm. Um, and it's because it offers a lot of things. It offers an unspoiled beach, you know, very large beach. It's not crowded boardwalk kind of a scene. Um, there's bicycling. You can view nature. There's the ponies. Um, it's a, it offers a very different kind of a family, quiet, outdoorsy vacation experience for families looking to get away from all the traffic and congestion that we have in the DC area. So it actually has become, I would say probably 15 years ago, it was a pretty well-kept secret. Um, especially the last 10 years, it's become a much better known and certainly in the last five, um, much better known destination in the DC area. Um, and because of the wild ponies, we actually get a certain number of families who fly from all over the place to come. We've had people come from Canada and all over the United States, um, from the West Coast, from the Midwest. Uh, we get a lot of different um, visitors from a lot of different areas uh, in the U.S. Sort of reminds me of our area, and people people often say, "Well, I've never heard of, you know, anybody going to Ontario's cottage country." Then um, that's because you know ninety percent of our traffic comes out of Toronto. There are those markets where 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 majority of the traffic is drive to traffic rather than fly in, which is absolutely which is quite a distinction because it actually brings. I mean, I don't know about you, but certainly for me, uh, me and for our property management company, it brings its own challenges when it's so easy for people to get into a car and just drive to the destination. Um, how, how does that how does that impact you? You know, I'm thinking in terms of. I mean, do you do screening? Do you worry about um, groups of young people? Or isn't that not the type of demographic that you get? Well, we certainly don't have that in my Virginia property. Um, but my first vacation rental, which I bought three years before the one, uh, the two on Shinkatig, um, is in Bethany Beach, Delaware. We do worry about that there. I do quite a bit of screening because a lot of the local high schools have something called Senior Week. And they like to head mostly to the Maryland beaches, to Ocean City, but that's only about 12 miles south of Bethany Beach. We do get um, high school seniors every every year, several groups of them trying to book the property. Um, and no, we, we certainly can't allow that. <laughs> but, um, you know, typically it's not, it's not the same demographic for my two Virginia properties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, interesting, because it, uh, you know, every, every place everywhere has, has their... So 
sort of primary demographic and 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 it has unique situations that arise out of that. So where you so so you you've advertised you do it yourself you advertise on VRBO. Where else do you um, um, market? Well, that's an interesting. It'll be a good um, transition to talking about the group. Um, for years, I only advertised on VRBO. And um, when Vacation Rentals was its own standalone website, I tried that one. Um, I didn't really like it. It seemed to be a sort a different demographic. I used to get um, a lot of the Ukrainian scams, the Nigerian scams, emailing me through that site, and I would get um, you know a lot of people who were really shopping for a bargain, hoping for my dead of winter rates in the middle of the summer. Uh, so really, VRBO was my primary mechanism. I would say up until 2016 um, when they rolled out the service fee. And at that point I realized that I had put my eggs in one basket. I branched out. I now um, also advertise on TripAdvisor for my three properties. I have uh, subscription listings with TripAdvisor that are on the TripAdvisor, FlipKey, and Vacation Home Rental family of sites, uh, all three of them um, with my subscription. And um, for my Delaware property, I am on Airbnb. I am in the process of putting my two Virginia properties on Airbnb. Um, but backtrack, I would say maybe five years ago, when I was only on VRBO, I did list on a local website in Shinkatig called Shinkatig.com. And I've been on that website with, um, you know, a, a reasonable amount of success um, over the last five years. I would say they certainly are a contender in terms of um, bringing me bookings um, with certainly the likes of TripAdvisor, but if not VRBO, they're not quite to VRBO's level. Um, so those are the places that I advertise, and I am in the process of um, developing my own websites um, with some assistance uh, from Alan Egan and also um, with Joe Godar's group um, for my Delaware property. So... Um, I do have a Facebook rental page, but I would say primarily the the large OTAs are where I get the majority of my bookings. I do have a fair amount of repeat clientele, you know, being a drive to destination. Um, I'd say maybe about 25% repeat clientele, 25% from TripAdvisor and the local site, and then maybe just under half from HomeAway VRBL. So, so how important do you think it is to to do this tracking? I mean, you obviously do your tracking as to where your your guests come from. Well, I think it's absolutely important. I mean, you know, as a business trying to figure out how to spend my advertising dollars, I think it's really extremely important to know which which methods are working and which ones aren't, which ones are on the rise, which ones are on the decline. Um, you know, personally, I, I use reservation software for my three properties. That was another change I made last year. I used to use the built-in reservation manager on HomeAway, but when they made it, um, they made it pretty inflexible so that my repeat guests and people that were coming from these other websites, if I booked them through their site, it would attach the service fee to their reservation. Well, I certainly wasn't going to ask them to pay it, and, nor should they pay it, and I wasn't about to pay it. So, um, I started looking around for reservation software, um, and I ended up with iVacation Online by Joe Godar. You know, there's several others um, that members of our group use, but it's been inva invaluable to me because I have my merchant account list um, linked to it. Um, it automates my bookings. I have online booking. Um, I have inquiry responses, autoresponders. Um, also, I send my check-in instructions through the site. I can send follow-ups for reviews as well. Yeah, I think it's great. 
that that you do that. I still hear so often of of people who are still using spreadsheets and um, manual systems and or even trying to use VRBO without putting in the the data on your travelers, which which can wreak havoc on your bookkeeping, really. Um, but this this way, I have spreadsheet reporting too. It helps with my monthly occupancy taxes in Virginia. Um, and, you know, and I, at the touch of a button, I can see where my bookings are coming from in real time all year long. I can look at them last year, compare last year to this year, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, it's really it's really been an inv- invaluable t- tool for me. If I had one property, maybe I'd consider doing it in an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> I'm not sure I would ever do it by paper. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's um, it's for anyone with multiple properties. I think I, I really, truly believe it's a necessity to have some type of software that you use for reservations. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I'll put a link to um, iVacation online on the show notes. So if anybody is interested in in that reservation software, they can go there and and take a look. So you mentioned that you're you're building you're building us um, one of the Alan Egan sites. How's that working for you? Well, Alan's helping me out a bit since I'm pulled in a lot of different directions. Um, I will be looking at. Uh, I will be looking at the progress on it very soon. Um, I've been helping to supply the information and I'm going to look at what they've put together so far. Um, Joe's site has a template for software and I started it, but I haven't finished it. Um, And one of his staff members was going to help me uh, answer a few questions that I had about some of the optional features. So um, yeah, but I'm a little behind on that. I guess like I said, since primarily I have such a strong repeat business and the OTAs still work for me, um, it sort of was the last piece for me. I put the reservation software and the merchant account ahead of getting my website up and running. Some people did it in the opposite order. Um, but like I said, for me, the OTAs were still working and I still had bookings coming from various places um, where, that don't have a service fee. So um, I, I decided to go in this order. Yeah. It was out of necessity. <laughs> Did you think people are going to find it shocking that you still rely or you still use the OTAs to that extent? No, I mean, I've, I've been very open and honest with it uh, about it in the group with the members. You know, um, we sort of have two camps. We have the people who it it doesn't work for them. They are so disgusted with the changes that they immediately pulled the plug. Um, and then there's the people like even several of the admins are still on the OTAs and on VRBO in particular, it's a business decision. I mean, you can have a personal opinion about what you think of the, the way they're gouging the travelers with the service fee on top of, you know, the credit card fees they charge us and on top of the annual subscription fee, which they are still charging. You can have your opinion about it, but the, the point is if it's still bringing you bookings and if it's as significant as almost 50% of your bookings, you know, it's a business decision. I mean, the goal is to move towards independence and to transition off of the OTA sites because they've proven to small business owners like myself that they can't be trusted. You know, they want to make a percentage off of our transactions the way that a local property management company does, only they add none of the value. Um, you know, some some call it value. I told you that it spurred me into managing my own properties, but still no matter how well they do it, they're still doing things for you. The local management companies, they do your advertising, they dispense your keys, they do your contracts, they collect your money, they dispatch the cleaners and the maintenance people. Well, you know, VRBO is doing none of those things, yet they want a piece of the pie. And, 
you know, you can have an opinion about, about that. You can have an extreme dislike of it. But to me, I look at it as a transition away from reliance on them. I, I don't want to cut off my nose to spite my face. If I'm still getting bookings, I'm not going to pull my listing. Uh, I think it's more about making them work for you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And changes, but adapting to the changes in a way that makes your business work better rather than getting crushed by them. Because this is this is something I've heard from a few people where they've said, uh, I'm so crushed by the OTAs, now I'm getting out. So that's a little bit of a sad commentary from some because I, I know of so many people like yourself who are adapting and finding ways of working, of, of getting these OTAs to work for them with the ultimate aim of, of driving towards that independence. That's correct. You know, and I feel like there's different demographics of people who feel like it's too much. There's the people who've been doing this for decades, predating VRBO, who don't want to learn yet another way and they want to get out. They feel like their asset has appreciated enough. They're just going to sell it and move on and retire and enjoy their time. So you have that group. Then you have some of the newer owners that don't remember what it was like to not have all the shiny little tools that HomeAway gave you, their calendar, their online booking, which you don't have to even have a merchant account. I think a lot of people have never had a merchant account, some of the newer owners um, outside of VRBO. Uh, I'm sort of in the middle. I've been, I've been on the sites since 2006. That certainly predates their online booking by about eight years. Um, and I had to have my own merchant account before them. Um, so I'm used to doing it myself. So I just took back control. But I think if you had to summarize what's going on with the OTAs is we used to be able to sit back and it was like pushing the easy button. They would fill up your calendar for you. It was almost a passive activity. They have these tools. They are bringing you more inquiries. You know, if you have a good property, then you know what to do with. Um, you used to be able to buy up in the search position with the metallics. So it was sort of an easy way um, to run a successful business. I think some people are not equipped to starting over, stepping back, reorganizing it, and taking back control. The people that can do that will stay, certainly stay in the business. Um, I, I, hope, I hope that the owners that have been providing people with quality, you know, small business, family-owned type of vacation rental experiences keep doing that um, because I think it would be a huge loss if everyone went back to the management companies or if they started using the likes of Evolve or Turnkey or Vacasa, like HomeAway would like to see them do. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. So sometimes you see some of the more experienced people getting out. You see some of the newer people just caving and doing things the way that, you know, HomeAway dictates. Um, but I also think that the rate of attrition somehow has to do with um, – not just the service fee, but their new geographic locations and their new sort algorithms. I think some people are being crushed by some of the changes. Um, their properties are not getting visibility. Um, and certainly it's a much easier choice to walk away when you're not visible and you're not getting inquiries okay. and books. What made you get involved in the Say No to VRBO group? Because, uh, you know, I remember when that started and it's just like, oh, you know, it just sounds like this is going to be a platform for complaints. Everybody's going to get in there and <laughs> bitch and bind about, you know, how much how much they hate the OTAs and how awful it is and why. And I thought, why? Why is anybody really going to get involved in this? And I've seen I've seen it evolve over time into a into a, a, a group where there's such, such powerful contributors who help each other out. 
But what made you get into it at the start? Well, um, I remember it was President's Day weekend of 2016. I was um, in Gettysburg with my family. I had my little HomeAway app on my phone. I still use their little features. And I got inquiries and bookings. And I booked a guy over the phone. He verbally agreed to book my property um, on the Monday of President's Day. And um, I told him to just go to my site and send a booking request and that I would accept it. Well, by the time he sent me his booking request that Thursday, HomeAway had flipped the switch and all of a sudden there was this outrageous fee on his booking <laughs> that we had not discussed. And it was sort of the way that it was like flipping a switch. There was no rollout. They dropped the hammer. And um, certainly there's more people who've been forced into online booking now. But the outrage that I felt as I felt like I was the model home away property owner. I used all their tools. I kept my calendar up to date. I used reservation manager. I used online booking from when they first rolled it out. But using that online booking, it gave them the hook to get to gouge my travelers, whereas the people who had resisted, who weren't being the ideal property owners in their view, those people didn't have the service fee on their listings. And I was just outraged looking at my market that four out of 17 of us in my community who had online booking, we were rewarded with this huge fee and our competition, guess what? They didn't have it. <laughs> and I saw a huge drop off in inquiries when that first happened. Um, and so I felt outraged. I felt betrayed. Um, when I complained to HomeAway, they said, oh, it was in the email that we sent out when Expedia bought us. And lo and behold, you go and look at the email and it's this one little line at the bottom, a small service charge will be applied to bookings. Well, it was like fine print at the bottom of an email. And I don't know about you, but hundreds of dollars in fees is not exactly a small service charge. <laughs> I mean, maybe $5 or $10 or $20 a booking would be a small service charge. But when, when people are being charged huge amounts of money in the hundreds of dollars, that is no longer a small service charge. I felt like they had breached their contract with me. Um, and we were, a bunch of us were posting on the HomeAway page before they started blocking us and deleting our comments because they don't like the optics of the homeowners being unhappy with their changes. Um, so a bunch of us connected and we moved. April started the group, I believe. And Ivan Arnold was also one of the first who, as you know, um, filed the first class action lawsuit against HomeAway. Um, so there were several of us that were extremely outraged and the group was born. Um, and first it was born as a public page. Uh, then we realized that HomeAway management and their social media people were reading everything that we wrote. Um, and as far-fetched as it sounds, you know, having been an admin of the group for over a year and a half now, there certainly is some retaliation that you wouldn't expect a large company like HomeAway, who's owned by, you know, certainly a travel giant like Expedia, to be petty enough to retaliate against their customers, but they do. I've heard plenty of stories of retaliation. So we decided it needed to be a closed group where we vet members. We don't want people in there spamming people and scamming people, you know, people parading as property owners, people who want to sell you some overpriced website that doesn't work, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Or, oh, I thought up a listing site and I just slapped it together and I want to charge everyone $500 a piece. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we decided that we needed to be away from the prying eyes of HomeAway. Um, we need to stay away from the scammers and so forth and have our vetted closed group. Um, and, you know, we've grown to almost 4,200 members, which is 
And we haven't even really tried to grow. Every time, uh, I'm almost afraid to do it. Every time I go to the public page and I say, hey, look, we're up to 4,200 now. If you're a homeowner and you haven't joined, please join our group. And then all of a sudden it just ramps up and we start getting more requests than we can process in a day. Um, so we've gone through a few little calls for members, maybe one or two, but we haven't even really um, put any kind of a challenge out there to our members saying, you know, educate at least one new owner a month. You know, if we each recruited one, we double, right? Yeah. So we haven't even done anything like that. Um, but we also find that HomeAway is also our great recruiting tool because every time they quote, I want to put in quotes, roll out, it's more like drop on us like a ton of bricks. One of their lovely new exciting changes, our membership really ramps up. Like this summer when they started forcing online booking on people and then when they took away a lot of people's um, guest contact info, even though they had paid for a subscription, um, again, the people flocking to our group, it just really increased the numbers um, of that happening. How do you feel that the group has actually evolved in the 18 months since since you've been moderating? Well, I've seen um, a lot of people embrace um, running their business independently, what we call listing site independence. Um, one of my fellow admins, um, Lorraine Mitchell, just pulled the plug and left VRBO and has been renting her property out on her own with her website and her Facebook page. Um, People, so you even have it among the admins. You have it among our um, among our members. People trying to help each other break free, and and that's been the most exciting part. Is that you know we don't even look to say, hey, are you in my market? Someone asks for help, you have fifty people jumping in to help them. And I think we've developed a great community that way. We help with everything from how do you set up a website, who do you use for software reservation software, who do you use for a merchant account, um, how do you deal with a difficult guest. I mean, the list goes on and on. Or how do you guys like Airbnb? I'm thinking about Airbnb, who's on there. And um, it's really become a community where you can ask them anything from, you know, VRBO, um, Airbnb, TripAdvisor. We discuss certainly all the large sites. Um, we discuss, so it's more than saying no to the VRBO service fee. We talk about the OTAs, how to do business with them how not to do business with them, how to be independent, um, how, to, how, to really, um, how to really put your business first because these companies are no longer, that we once trusted, are no longer putting our business first. No, you're, you're exactly right. What are, what, are the most, uh, what are the hot button topics that people most get fired up about? So strangely, one of them seems innocuous enough. Everybody loves animals, don't they? Cute, furry animals. Well, service dogs becomes a very heated and contentious topic on our page. Um, you know, there are pet-free rentals, there are pet-friendly rentals. And then there are these guidelines that apply to some property owners. Some of it depends on how many properties you own, what state you're in. Um, do you rent long-term or short-term? Um, there's no easy answer. People are looking for an easy answer. And then, you know, emotions get involved. Um, those are the, those are the posts where we've had to ban people. We luckily we don't have to ban people very often, but that's one of them. <laughs> that's one of the topics. Um, and then sometimes, I mean, one of the other things, it's not really a hot topic. Um, we don't tolerate any rudeness in the group. Um, you're entitled to your opinion. If you love VRBO, great. If you hate VRBO, great. But 
don't call someone an idiot for doing things differently than you. I mean, that's just something that we have zero tolerance for. And another hot topic issue that comes from sort of the outside world, even though we've tried to create a closed vacation rental group, some of the outside issues come in and people try to bring them in, even though we've said they're not welcome. Um, A lot of people try to bring in politics into posts. And in the U.S., it's become quite polarized. And, you know, we don't feel like it has a place in our group. We're there to talk about our businesses. We're there to talk about the large OTAs. I mean, there's certainly some governmental issues that come into play both at the local and federal level with regulating uh, vacation rentals. But beyond that, we don't really want to talk politics. So that's another thing that gets people banned from the group is if they repeatedly talk about politics and they do so in a divisive and derogatory and insulting way. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a sad it's a sad state where you see it on so many different groups that a completely innocuous topic can start out and then halfway, you know, the, the comments sort of start to get a little political, then before you know it, it's back to mudslinging again. Absolutely. Um, you know, we just, we don't like, um, you know, there's people who come into the group and like, why are you asking about what sheets to buy? This is wasting my time. Well, you know what? Scroll by that post. If yes. the sheets don't interest you, scroll by it. If you have any question about how to run your vacation rental, this is your group. These are your people you know, the people that feel like it's wasting their time. I mean, certainly you need to be a strategic thinker, but you also, we're all vacation rental owners at the end of the day. You know, I may think about strategies of, you know, how to market, how to use these sites. How do we break, break free? Do we need, you know, we're going to talk at some point about the association. Um, You know, you need to think about strategy, but at the end of the day, you still think of the specifics of how to run your property. I've gotten good ideas from people and I know people have gotten some ideas from me, um, you know, we can all learn from each other. I that, That's one, one part of the, the this, this particular group that I, I find um, sort of almost awe-inspiring is the free contribution of ideas and people that are so willing to take the time. Putting a post together is, is not just a matter of, of just um, typing a few words. People will spend a long time on creating a, a post on this group that is infinitely helpful and just supplies so much experience and shares experience. So as I say, that, uh, that, that's just awesome. Well, and that's one of the things that we try to tell the newer members, you know, it's really, Facebook is kind of a hard mechanism. Things go up and down. You can sort them based on chronology or activity levels on certain posts, but um, we try to point the newer members toward the file section which when somebody posts something really great, we think it's file section worthy. Um, there was a there was a woman in our group who posted the correct way to shut down your home away listing and watermark your photos um, because it turns out that the lovely OTA was using your pictures and the name of your property. They kept it up just to say, hey, this they've shut down, but here's some other properties in their location. So she developed a way to shut down your listing properly where HomeAway couldn't use it to redirect business to themselves using your photos and your name, your good name. Um, so we thought that was file section worthy and she made up a file and she posted it to the file section. And it's just one example. Um, you know, anytime a member comes up, you know, with a methodology or, you know, a way to do something or some research information, say on the service dogs, we'll, um, 
have it put in the file section and we'll direct people to go look there. Yeah, a great resource for anybody. And I'll be uh, once once again, I'll put the link to the the group on the show notes just in case anybody hasn't come across it yet. Um, Annie, Thank you. You, you got yeah. involved with um, Avroa. That's where we met at in, in, in Chicago yes. at the first board meeting. What prompted you to uh, to, to get involved? Well, um, April and I had been talking about that for some time, and we knew that Avro existed with Rod Fitz, um, you know, in a different format, not as a nonprofit, but as an association for vacation rental owners and, and operators and affiliates. But anyway, the um, at one point, we were thinking about it and hadn't done that much with it. And then Rod Fitz reached out to us and he said, look, you guys have built something. I've built something. Let's come together for the greater good um, of this profession because we need this. And, you know, I thought it was just fantastic because here he has this existing framework and he's willing to work with us. I mean, we have members and we run a Facebook group. And when you join the two things together and you use social media and so forth to market it, um, we do need it. We need a voice. We need a voice because we're being trampled on. We need a voice with legislatures. We need to have some bargaining power with the OTAs, um, maybe even some get discounts for our members, a certification, a directory. You know, with the with the emergence of so many scammers um, to belong to a professional organization where you have to pay dues, um, you're not going to have a scammer that does that unless there are really well-off scammer and they're doing really well. <laughs> but now in any case, we'd be vetting them. That wouldn't happen. Um, but yeah, so we just felt like it was really needed to, you know, give us a voice to lend legitimacy to this as a profession. It's not just a hobby for many, many of the people in our group. That's the other thing that sort of separates. Um, I think the owners in our group from maybe um, a lot of the owners that don't care to join the group, don't know about it, haven't noticed you know, some people just have a second home. They're trying to get a little extra money to cover their HOA fees. There are people who run this as a business. It's almost like, you know, having um, a little chain of boutique hotels or B&Bs, if you will. So, um, you know, there there's a lot of people who operate as professionals. And I think the association is needed because it is a profession for many. For me, it was warming to see your involvement and April's or Avro has always been a legitimate organization, but... Yes. To, to include, or I think perhaps to to, as April has of course taken over as chair of the um, of of Avroa, um, yes, and Rod is still in there obviously as as the founder and and an operator within it. But I think, uh, well, what's happened with Avroa now has has brought so much more legitimacy to it. And and the launch of it as a non-profit in January, I think, is going to um, j just be a, a great way forward. I, I totally agree. Um, and I agreed to help April with uh, membership because it's sort, of, it's sort of what I do. I mean, I contribute content and admin the page with her. But um, I had taken over a lot of the membership vetting responsibilities in our group. Um, I, I now share them um, with Chris Serva. Um, she's a tremendous help to me, um, on vetting the members, but, you know, it just seemed like a natural area for me to help her with was to help grow membership, define membership, market membership, and grow membership for the new Avroa. 
Yeah, I thought it was wonderful. So, so just as a, as a recap for for those listening, so Avro will become a uh, registered nonprofit in January of this year with April Salter as the chair of um, of Avro and the board, and then you, Annie, as chair of the membership um, committee, sort of co-chair at the moment with membership and marketing with Jason Beaton as um, yes, uh, as Jason, yeah. And, and until such point, I think, as, as, as that splits out into two separate committees. And, uh, and I get education, and then there is a listing uh, committee too, because Avroa, uh, at the outset, I think, wasn't quite sure of what it was going to be, um, whether it was going to be a, a, an alternate listing site or, or a pure association. And I love the way it's heading uh, as more of an, as, as an association with, with yes. a listing element in the future. Yeah, Rada and I were talking about that. It's it's just packaging. Both will exist, but it's packaging. You want you don't want one to overshadow the other. Um, certainly membership has to have its own benefits and draws um, independent of the listing site. But it's not something that we want to abandon either. So um, you know it's almost like a partnership mm-hmm. of the two ideas. So. Yeah. I love to see it all coming together, and uh, look forward to meeting up with you again at uh, at, a, at another board meeting somewhere. Yes, that would be great. That was a kind of a travel nightmare for me. Hopefully, the next travel travel will be smoother. And you know, April of course had to video conference in because of Hurricane um, Irma. But um, yeah, <laughs> it was it was great, and we really I really hope to be able to do that again. So, you know, I'd just like to thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I know. That's this, a pleasure. Yeah, this episode, I think, will be, will be really popular with, with members of the, uh, the Facebook group where they get to, to hear you as well as, as, as see you in print. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, you know that I've met s- several members of the group, not too many. Um, it's kind of fun when you talk or meet in real life. Of course, I can't meet 4,000 people in real life, but... We do dream someday, and maybe we'll do it through Avroa, of having sort of a counter vacation rental summit. Um, we, we were jokingly calling it the anti-summit to home away. Um, <laughs> but, you know, eventually, if we grow big enough, we could have an annual meeting, mm-hmm. which would be neat, and people could network in person. Yeah, I know that, um, that Avroa is going to have a pre- presence at the Vacation Rental Success Summit down in San Antonio next May. Um, oh, excellent. Rod, Rod has been been at the last two summits in in Toronto and and he was able to you know to, to talk to people about Avroa and what its aims and goals were um, but it will be interesting next year in San Antonio when when he's able to say hey guys we are now an active nonprofit and come join us and I think that's going to be um, that, that's going to be a good venue. But uh, but yes, that you know there could come the day when Avroa has its own annual general meeting and thousands of people come. It's possible we can, you know, um, it's exciting. It's a it's nice to be on the ground level starting this, um, and you know there's a lot of really great people in our industry, and um, you know I'm really excited that you're heading up education. So I think it would be I think this is going to be good, and it's something that we really need. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Annie, for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Likewise. Well, that was a pleasure to talk to 
Annie and to hear her perspective. Um, she she is so savvy about this industry. One of the one of the things that Annie said that really struck me as we were talking was about her feeling like she was the ideal, the model home away owner. And they rewarded her by, well, by delivering the service fee to her listing and to other owners that had sort of towed the line and, and gone along with, with the changes, the early changes. And then the reward was we will, give, we, we, we will include the service fee on your listing and subsequently her, listing, her, her, um, her bookings dropped significantly. I mean, I I just don't see the sense in that sort of of model. But then a lot of people don't see the sense in many of the things that that the OTAs are doing. But you know, it's um, for 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 them. It's the business perspective, and they're in business to make. We'll have to see how this all pans out, and just to see what the alternatives are that are going to be coming. Amy Hynote talked recently about disruptors and that there will be another big disruptor in the industry before too long. So let's just wait, watch and look out for that and take advantage of it as soon as it comes. So once again, it's been an absolute pleasure to be with you on the Vacation Rental Success Podcast and I'll look forward to... uh, joining you again this episode of vacation rental success is over but don't worry heather will be back soon want more great resources visit cottageblogger.com for tips tricks downloads and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business